0: Welcome to the Weather Geeks podcast. This podcast will feature world-renowned experts on all things weather. We'll talk about everything from tornadoes to hurricanes to the now infamous polar vortex to the challenges associated with communicating the forecast. We'll have in-depth conversations with key policymakers charged with protecting millions of Americans every day from the dangers of natural disasters. We'll also delve into topics like climate change, earth science, and outer space. So if you have a natural curiosity about the world around you, then this is the podcast for you. This week on Weather Geeks, I'm joined by the man, the myth, the legend, the storm tracker himself, Jim Cantori. Today, Jim will be taking us inside the storm as we dive deep into his 30 plus year career at the Weather Channel. How have things changed? What are some of Jim's most memorable moments and what will the future bring? All that and more from one of the weather's most influential names, Jim Cantori. Welcome to Weather Geeks. I'm Dr. Marshall Shepherd, Professor in Atmospheric Sciences, Program Director at the University of Georgia. Today we have the pleasure of being joined by Jim Cantori. Jim, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Doc. Thanks for having yeah, me. Yeah, so you know we're starting this Weather Geeks podcast, and we had to start with you. I mean, it's you're the man, That's the myth.
1: That you're too kind. <laughs> well, you know,
0: I, I, when we have a conversation about weather, I think it just makes sense that we we start with someone as magnanimous and as influential as you have been. So.
1: It, it, I mean, look, it, I've always loved the weather. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm very lucky that that type of passion has come out over, over my career.
0: Yeah, um, yeah so no, so, well, let's, let's, let's just, I want, we're going to geek out. I mean, we're going to have some fun <laughs> with right. this because one of the things about this podcast format is we can go deep, right. as they say. Right. So, But let's just start back with, what, how did you get to the point? What, what got you started?
1: It was dad, my dad. He, he just looked at me, or I was sitting at the dining room table, and he goes, what are you going to do for the rest of your life? I said, I don't know, Dad, I'll be, be a fireman, electrician. I mean, uh, he goes, you need to go study the weather. I mean, just kind of like this, this change in his whole facial expression and, and the way it came out. You need to go study the weather. You leave the barn light on until the first flakes come down. You right. go out and shovel the driveway for your mother. So,
0: so you were that kid that, that really – Well, I, but I, I
1: loved it, but I didn't know I loved it. Okay. So, again, it was my dad who, who noticed that in me. Right and brought that to my attention.
0: Well, the reason I asked that is because even as president of AMS, we have data that suggests that most people in our field get into it around middle school. That's where the the bulb comes on. I love being outside.
1: Yeah. Uh, And I I love, especially in snow. Snow just fascinated me. You know, the blizzard of 78, if if that was my coming out party, that was it. Because it had already been a really active winter, 77, 78. And snow was already high. Then we got that thing. And, you know, here I am walking around in chest deep snow. I've never experienced. Yeah, this no. Well, I, I, you know I mean? growing so up in the South, I definitely have. So,
0: yeah. So that really kind <laughs> right. of did it for you. That was it. So, so talk to us though. So, your dad kind of encouraged you to kind mm-hmm. of do this, but then how did you then execute the plan to get from that point to ultimately becoming a meteorologist? Did you start researching where meteorology schools were? Yeah, we
1: looked. At, we looked at some schools. Um, you know, Linden State is is the one that that, that we that we chose. Uh, it's right up the road. Shout out they to had, all the Linden State yeah. folks out there. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'm going to be their commencement speaker. Yeah. Oh, the, well, that, that makes sense. So I'm sense, really, yeah. really excited about yeah, that coming yeah. up. Uh, um, you know, cause it's different going from having maps behind you to having nothing behind well, you. I, I, I well, I can
0: say I've been there because I was, I did the same at Florida state last year. Is that uh, right? So I, I, I can give you a little, uh, I, I, I think I, I'm going to need some tips yeah. on this
1: cause I'm going from me, a baby boomer to talking to millennials. Right. I, you know, it's going it, to be it, interesting.
0: No, I had a similar thought, but I, I, I know you'll do well. So thanks
1: doc. I appreciate yeah. that. But, but it was, you know, Linden, Lyndon fit the bill. I mean, they had a They had a a news station there. And that news station, by the way, over the years has won several awards um, for broadcast journalism. So uh, myself personally, I've gone back over the last 14 years and worked with the students that have a broadcast interest in meteorology. So so I wanted to kind of
0: interject there because you knew that you wanted to do TV meteorology, not once you were there at Linden.
1: Once, yeah, once I got there, once I went through the first year with the intro and yeah. stuff like that, and I saw kind of the TV thing and I got to try it, I was like, oh, this is cool. I really, I think this is the, the right. route I want to go here. Right.
0: And, and so you, you, you graduate from college, you, you are a card-carrying degreed meteorologist yes. now. What was the next step then?
1: Well, I mean, I had a couple of job offers, um, Twin Falls, Idaho, and Yakima, Washington, at, at 22, I really didn't want to go, <laughs> go that far away from home. Right. But I'm like, you know what, I'm going to hang out a little bit because as long as the offers are coming in, I'm going to see what happens. And, right. I, and I was painting a building, and I'm way up high on scaffolding, and my brother comes up to me. He yells out to me. He goes, hey, Jim, the, the Weather Channel wants to talk to wow. you. Wow. And I'm like, oh, wow, we just got them on cable.
0: So I remember watching Bill Schubert.
1: This is 86. 86, okay. You know, I remember watching Bill Schubert and Bruce Edwards and Mark Mancuso, and I was like, oh, wow. So then when I got down there, I'm all starry-eyed because I'm like, oh, these are the guys I watch on TV. And um, had so, a great interview with, with Ray Ban, who you know as well. Ray Ban, and, yeah, uh, very
0: instrumental in the. That, so the Weather Channel just sort of celebrated 30 years, I believe, or right or TWC right? since 82. 82, so, so 60, six, uh excuse me, 36, years. 36 years. That's yeah. right. Uh, and so Ray Ban was sort of right there at the he was early the stages. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So, um, what has kept you here all that time? I mean, because obviously, well, nobody else wanted me, <laughs> Shepherd. Um,
1: nobody else wanted a, a yeah. balding uh, middle-aged man. No, I mean it, it's. I mean, if I really were to stop for a second and look at that, I'm, I think, okay, so I started out doing all these maps. I, I got a chance to kind of hone in my craft with a lot of time on the air, yeah. you know, talking about. And then they asked me to go out in the field during Andrew, the second landfall of Andrew in Louisiana, and I said absolutely. And then you know, once I'm out there, I'm like, this is what I really grew up loving—being right. out in it. Right. And and so to be able to talk about it and you know present that kind of weather to people, it just got awesome.
0: Yeah, and I let's—I mean, one of the things I really want to do with this podcast is just kind of go into places, perhaps that the listener may not get the experience. So you're very much known for your sort of what I call cantory deployments. People are like looking, "Uh-oh, Jim's headed to my town. That's the problem." walk us through a Jim Cantore deployment. I mean, what happens, the process, I mean, do you, you, do you guys sort of plan where you want to go? How, walk us through what happens over I mean, that 24, 48-hour period.
1: I, I mean, I have a feeling I'm going out, especially with with a bigger snow event or severe, or, or certainly the hurricanes. So, the, you know, you kind of start shuffling life around. Because you can't just stop living all of a sudden right. when you have to go out. Right. So if there's appointments, they have to be canceled or moved. Um, you just have to kind of shut things down at home get packed uh, and over the years I've learned <laughs> how to pack like three different suitcases sure, sure. I have a spring severe I have a and, and I have a two really winter suitcase and then another one I bring with me right. that just has essentially my jackets because without those we're kind of screwed sure. so I can't pack those I have to sure. carry those with me on the plane so either it's the spring outfit and the summer outfit or the or the, or the the winter and the fall outfits that, uh, that go out in the field with me but those are pretty much
0: pre-packed <laughs> so and you do you have a team of producers or people that kind of go out with you or is it a my coverage?
1: producer is steve pederak he's been with me for the last uh, two and a half years and our our inaugural time together was the 2015 snow blitz in oh Boston. Wow. yes okay i remember that, that and that was thunder snow yeah. that was the big that was it was that me. the yeah. big that was viral the one. one Yeah, uh, on the day before my birthday so exactly. february 15th yeah 2015 at about 5 15 in the morning that's when it got crazy but um you know, you, you just got to be ready to go. And then when you get out there, a lot of times, especially with my shift, because I work six to nine in the morning, it's like okay, it's right. Go get on a plane now. So then we get there. It's three o'clock. We have to drive sometimes two three hours. Then you finally wind down, but you're already going into it kind of, now, kind but, of a little tired. But your adrenaline gets
0: you. But through. that six to nine is a relatively new slot. I mean, you've been doing AM yeah, I started.
1: When I first started at the Weather Channel at 22 years old, I was doing the early mornings.
0: Okay. So you've kind of circled back.
1: But doing it at 54 (laughs) is a little different, Doc. (laughs) Okay. It's a lot harder to get up at
0: 3 o'clock in the morning. Because
1: you could stay up when you were 22 absolutely all right, right. but now forget no way right <laughs> so. absolutely
0: now as you're kind of transitioning to these cities do you get a lot of people bantering about asking you what's going on or, hey hate what do you think i, I, I can imagine you know, you know what to
1: say to- is, is it's more the smaller towns um, than than the cities because really? uh, i think cities are used to seeing broadcasters out there all the time but like when we shoot when we showed up in bethel connecticut Out of all places, you know what I mean? Because I was, I was, I wanted to be far enough west. We were playing the dry slot. We were playing the back edge of the snow band, and I'm like, you know, somewhere on that I-84 corridor, there's no place to go. Either you're in Bethel or Danbury, or you're in New York State. I mean, there's just not that many places on Interstate 84. So we stayed in Bethel, but the whole town came out. They they couldn't (laughs) believe we were there in Bethel. Right, right. It was like, it was like, uh, you know. The July 4th. So a
0: celebrity moment, even in the midst of a right. pretty significant right. weather but event. It, but that's cool. It keeps yeah. us
1: going. People are, Over the years, if you ask me the number one thing about being in the field, people coming out and, and cheering you on and you know, bringing us food because yeah. we're just going and right. going and going, and we don't have to even have time to stop and eat. But I'll never forget the time. This is, this is the moment that changed me as a broadcaster, that we were in uh, Wrightsville Beach, North Carolina, for for one of the ninety four hurricanes and storms and depressions I've covered, and this I, I could just see this lady coming at me from the, across the beach, and the beach was packed. People were just lining up all over the place, and, and she came up to me and she looked at me and she goes, "Mr. Cantori, I know it's going to get really bad here, but I just wanted you to know that I'm really glad that you're here to take us through it." I never forgot,
0: and that. so that's and the so motivation.
1: Instead of swashbuckling meteorologist. I'm like now my life has purpose. Yeah. Now I have purpose when I'm out here. So I have a I have a goal. I have a job to do. That, I I'll, I remember that. So I'll that, never that, that, that so that
0: moment. you know th- there are some people that can be critical of of what some of us do or the colleagues that go out into the field. But uh, and, and you, I'm so glad
1: you said that yeah. because uh, a guy who I consider a great friend now, Craig Fugate.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, you know who Craig? Is. Oh, I, Craig and All I right. know each other well. FEMA administrator. Former FEMA administration. Exactly. Sure. He was very critical of that. He couldn't understand why we were out there. And we talked about it. And I said, Craig, honestly, if I'm going to ask people to leave their homes, the least I could do is stay back and let them watch me from a safe distance, take them through what happens. And I meant that. and and I know he understood that I meant that. And so from that point on, it's kind of like we get each other. Okay, it's time to commit. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at BYTE.com. That's B-Y-T-E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
0: Welcome back to the Weather Geeks Podcast. I'm Dr. Marshall Shepherd from the University of Georgia, and I'm here with the storm tracker, Jim Cantori, and we're talking about his years here at the Weather Channel, his coverage of storms, and I want to revisit this conversation because we were talking about uh, Craig Fugate, one of the, in my opinion, the best FEMA directors we've ever seen, and he had some challenges with the sort of notion of on-site reporting. And so you talked about why why that's of value. Let's kind of shift to. I think you mentioned '94. Yeah. Hurricanes. Somewhere in in that you covered. Yes. What's been your most challenging coverage for those '94s? What What do you remember most? in terms of
1: honestly you this is going to kind of blow your mind a little bit but it's now really <laughs> okay so the microwave comes out we don't have to put the oven on and warm up our food we can just nuke it in 30 seconds right all right so technology has made our lives greater is my point our phones i in my life <laughs> technology's made it a little bit worse because because of the fact that we can now not have to go down during the middle or the height of a storm, we stay up during the height of it. Okay, if you remember Mike's coverage in Naples, then it led into my coverage right. uh, in Fort Myers. We never stopped. We went through the entire eye wall in both of the cities. So technology for me has actually made my job a little bit worse. Right, Because if the video is great and the, and the shots are great, they, they're gonna wanna stay on that. So we've gone from broadcasting based back in the studio to broadcasting based in the field. And it's because of technology. An audio and video signal, uh, you know, on an HD, uh, an HD audio and video signal out, uh, you know, over the Internet has, has just made made it hard. Wow. Really
0: hard. Yeah, that's an interesting, I, I wouldn't have, that was a somewhat surprising answer, but yeah. it, it certainly makes sense given sort of how I know co- how coverage is. Yeah, because usually with a
1: satellite truck, yeah. when those winds hit 60, 70, 80 miles an hour, that dish has got to come down or you lose it. Right. And then you lose all the rest of your coverage. Right. So we now take the dish down there. Park it in a safe place. Put, don't even use it um, during the height of the storm. Use, you know, live view as it's called, which is using the, you know, the phone lines, cell phone lines, and then afterward we can go to places with the truck.
0: Talking with Jim Cantore, let's geek out here. I want I'm, I'm, I'm going to go into some weather. Stuff All right, we let's do it. Kind of, let's react to these terms. I'm going to give you a couple of terms and just react to them in any way that you uh, see fit. Polar vortex
1: the newbie the newbie the newbie why do you say that uh you know i remember i think it was ryan maui who who put out the first tweet about this, the whole oh my goodness the whole polar vortex is dropping down over the midwest right when we had this big cold outbreak a couple of years ago and with social media mm, we can hashtag that and once you do that it becomes this huge storm right but the problem is, unless you go back and explain <laughs> and what it is, and the fact that it's always been there, um, you know, people don't really get that. Yeah,
0: yeah, I, I find but, that to be the case as well. But
1: I, I actually like things that you can hashtag because if it's getting people's attention, if they're going to take the time to read it, then you can go from defining it and having the fun with it to actually saying how it's going to impact you. No, I mean, so it helps us get the, our message across. So
0: you're more. you're not. I mean, we're we're from similar generation here, but you're I, you're very good in social media. So you have embraced social media.
1: I have. I think Twitter has helped us out right. in our jobs. I mean I use Twitter a lot. Uh, I use Instagram for my, my personal life and, and Twitter's pretty much pretty much all business. Right. Ninety nine percent business. So it, it helps me from the start of the day to to identify the areas I want to talk about and, and write literally write down a succinct message. Right. And that I later go and take to air.
0: Yeah. With now, maps. make sure you're following Jim Cantori on Twitter. He's an awesome follow. Okay, let me get back to my weather geek terms that I want you to react to. Bomb cyclone.
1: Oh, here we go. <laughs> I, again, it's uh, it's Maui again, and you know, yeah. uh, I, I think he's responsible for for putting that out there and starting it, which is great. I mean, he's incredible. But, but we talk about that, a great fall. We know that
0: Bomba ba- right. Genesis and the whole notion of bombing out of a storm—that's a meteorologically sound term that's been around for a while,
1: right? Yeah. And, and we know a cyclone is an area of low pressure, sure. right? So why not put the two of them together? Right. Um, I mean, you can you can define both of those terms,
0: right? The next term, we've already touched on it a little bit. Thunder snow. I mean, yeah, we, the, right. You're legendary for your reaction to that. Some of the thunder snow events. And but they what, even what have it, beers uh, named after. The, uh, wow. <laughs> but, but what is it that really gets you most excited about thunder snow, from a, just an emotional standpoint, but also meteorologically? What's going on?
1: I mean, I like to tell people the background story to that, especially that February 15th. Yeah,
0: let's let's talk about.
1: Um, it. Because you know, they we had been in Boston ad nauseum. It was Boston, Boston, Boston. You know, it's actually Mike Chesterfield who, you know, who and I both. Yeah, know. Weather he you says Do you know why don't you get out of Plymouth? Sure. They're going to have a little bit more wind and and maybe a better chance at longer duration blizzard. So Steve Pederach and I are like, okay, whatever. We're we're comfortable here at the war at the Marriott Water uh, Waterfront. <laughs> waterfront. We, you know, we're, we're fine up there in Boston, but we'll just get down there anyway. So we you know we get out and we meet new friends and the, and the folks uh, were so nice to us at the East Bay Grill to let us broadcast right in their backyard. And so I'm. It's about five o'clock, 5.05. I see Reynolds Wolf where I was in Boston getting thunder snow, and I was crushed.
0: Okay, and you're mad. I'm at like, Chesterfield, oh my goodness! <laughs> I'm like, no
1: way! I was there. You got to be kidding me! So I literally put my face right down in the snow. And I I was just literally laid there for (laughs) until he was done cursing
0: Chester. And then I
1: got back up, you know, it's about five 15. They're throwing to me. You can, if you look at that video, you can still see the snow on the underside (laughs) of my goggle. Oh, wow. Because I just was like, I was hot. I was almost upset. Right. Um, And then I got it the first one. And then the second, and it was, it was right over the top of us, you know? And, that was and a, I went from down here to way up here. Right that's exactly why I reacted. Like uh, so, that,
0: so that's that's really interesting context. We're talking with Jim Cantore on the Weather Geeks podcast. Uh, at, at its core, we're both meteorologists. Um, but that's the fifth time I've seen it. Yeah, well, it in the field live. Well, no, I, 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 some people you know, say so that, that you're in a re- tractor. For well,
1: because uh, it's still lightning. Right. It's well, still dangerous. Absolutely. people lose it. believe it or not, people don't know this, but you can lose your life well, in a wintertime Well, I think
0: we saw that earlier in the year in 2018 here up in, I think, around Jersey somewhere. Yeah, we did. That's right. What about, uh, so putting on your meteorological hat, I mean, are there any situations that you find just challenging as meteorologists for forecasting? I mean, are there particular situations you prefer forecasting, ones you like to avoid?
1: This has been a cold April, Marshall. Everybody knows that. Yeah. And so anybody who who doesn't think the Earth is warming um, will come at you. Pretty hard, and say, "Well, so much for that climate change." How about, that "Hey, I got twenty warming? inches of global warming yeah, in my exactly, yard." exactly, exactly right. Kind of it's April fifteenth, <laughs> so you, right. you deal with the same thing. Yeah, yeah, I do. And, and, and it is challenging for us with that message. Um, you know, for me personally, uh, I, I've taken it by myself now to when I give talks. A lot of it is around, centered around the climate and, and
0: where I stand with it. Well, before we, I want to, I want to stay on this topic because you're a broadcast meteorologist, right? But there's a discomfort with some of our colleagues in the broadcast side of the field talking about that. Why do you think that and I, and is, I and why that. have you kind of gotten past that?
1: I, because I'm always asked about it. It's been it's been asked at nauseam, So I'm like, I'm a, here's the deal. You know, for me, uh, I, I we all have, I think we all have different levels in the broadcast medium. We, we know that we've actually done surveys on that. Uh, a guy like Greg Fischel, I think yeah. we really need to. You know, look up to him the way he's done, he's embraced Greg Fischl, it. Brett Fischel, Jim te- Gandy, right? Yeah, sure. yeah. those yeah. both those guys have taken climate uh, data and 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 some of the things that you know some of the latest climate news, and they actually teach their viewers. Right. That that's a win win for everybody at the end of the day. But, but I don't they're, think they're forcing it down anybody's throat. Exactly. Right. Okay, right. they're just teaching people. Right. And that's that's what I like. And that's what you like it. to
0: do. And I, I think one of the things I've heard you talk about it, you're, you're very clear on the places there are uncertainties or places Absolutely. where we don't know. And I think that, that's my approach as well, Jim. I mean, we, I think we owe it uh, to the public to talk about this and not avoid it, but keep the politics out of it, keep opinions out of it and just be objective.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, it, you know, it's hard, you know, when you look at this April to say, you oh, know, the climate's warming, and well, we had some of the record lows or surpassing the, the the record highs, but we're just one little dot on that big globe. Right. <laughs> Everybody else has been generally warm uh, this April. Yeah. E- either way, he- here's where I'm at, Doc. Um, I strongly feel that the Earth is warming. There's there's no doubt in my mind. Well, especially over the past 30 years, right? Sure. The, the, the question is, what is our contribution as sure. humans? Sure. And and so I think what happens is once people hear the term. They automatically think that you're blaming them for contributing to heating the earth. Yeah, there's an emotional. It's content. your fault, right? Yeah. So, so I, I, I think that's too. where the whole thing starts. And you're right; it's gotten political, yeah. economical.
0: Yeah, we. Okay. I, I steer. I mean, look. I think there. You're right. I think there are emotions around this. I think. But people look at were, what's yeah. happened.
1: Okay, from this, we we have found alternative energy sources. Right. We're growing new businesses. We're teaching our kids to be great stewards of the planet. Right. So in the, you know as bad as this may seem, this argument you can look at it at, at doing a lot of really good things right now.
0: Yeah, I, right? I completely for, everybody I, for I, everybody. I completely agree, and I think I think Cantori really is a, a model for how to approach this topic for s- perhaps some colleagues in the field that have some discomfort, maybe have some pressure in their markets from their station managers or whatnot. Speaking of model for the field, um, what would you say if someone asked why have you been so successful? And I mean, I, I know you're a humble guy, but you have been successful. I mean, I've you been are, lucky. You've, look, you know? you've looked up to in this field. So why have you been so successful?
1: I mean, I think I'm. I think I'm lucky. And like I said to you, when that woman came up to me and, and told me, you know, hey, um, we're glad that you're here to take us through it. I mean, all that, that just changed me as a broadcaster. I, I'm yeah. like my my what I do now has purpose. Right. So. You know, you can always get a little loose and, and, and have a little fun on a, on a day where there's not so much weather. But it's really important to me to, to, to teach. I've always liked to explain the message. And I don't always do it well. I'm still Okay, 32 years plus, I'm still learning how to put out the exact perfect message. Well,
0: I think we are. You know, own. not
1: talk over people's heads. And sometimes, you know, I get caught in the minutiae, like everybody else, in the jargon. I'm like, oh, gosh, why did I say that? Um, you know, I used to be on with Chris Warren a lot. And he would stop me. And say, well, hold on for a second. What do you what do you mean by that? Which I really love, actually, when, when people do that. I don't mind going backwards because sometimes I just get carried away, as as you know, Doug. Oh, you yeah. know. It's it's really the. I think if so to answer your question, the passion toward what I do. Yeah. If there's a link between my success, uh, it's it's luck, it's lady luck, and it's it's the passion for what I do. It's genuine. Um, I've never wavered. From it.
0: For joining us on the Weather Geeks podcast, I'm talking with Jim Cantori of the Weather Channel, uh, one of the most recognizable names in the field of meteorology. I'm Dr. Marshall Shepard from the University of Georgia. Uh, I want to continue the conversation with Jim, and I want to go—you kind of alluded to this a little bit, this idea of communicating the perfect forecast— One of the things that's happening right now in the field of meteorology is we're thinking and hearing more discussions, not just about the latest model or the latest satellite or the latest dual-pole radar, but things like, are we using the right colors? Are we using the right messaging? Do people understand polygons and cones? What are your thoughts on this sort of social science emergence within weather communication? Uh, Do you think carefully about um, when you put up a polygon or a cone for a hurricane making landfall? Do people understand it? What are your thoughts on some of that?
1: Oh, well, look, they they always try and make cars better, right? Right. Um, better gas mileage, easier to see out of equipment now that can almost drive the car itself. So that's what we're trying to do with the weather message, you know, people but- to get that message and understand it. As best as they can, and
0: but there are some people that are you know, and look, this is weather geek, so we we, we will go there. And I mean, anything you're uncomfortable talking about, well, but there are some people that will criticize your organization, will criticize some other organizations that they oversimplify the concepts with things like naming storms or torcons. And I'm going to be talking to Greg Forbes on an episode of this. But they actually are trying to communicate things in a way that the public understands because the public doesn't understand the quasi-geostrophic theory, right?
1: No, they, 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 nor should they. They just need to know if they need to get their family out of harm's way or, you know, prepare for losing power for a week. Exactly. You know, those, those are important things. And, and that's the other thing, too. That's a, that's a just as important part of the message here is not only do we have to explain it well, but, but we need people to believe that this is something that, they need to really prepare for so how is that permit, that message taken and perceived and dealt with right that's just as important as how we're delivering
0: and just is, as important. so do you with that statement do you there there are some people that have talked about the fact that the role of the human in meteorology and warning will fade away but there are also studies that suggest people trust people like you so what do you th- say to someone that says, oh, we're going to have automatic forecasts, we've got apps, I don't need to go and turn on Jim Cantori.
1: Well, you know what, that's, that's not right. Because, no. I mean, whether it's me or, or you or whoever that you trust and, and, and want to hear from, I know um, that. I mean, when I, when I watch a broadcaster, I'm, I'm looking for their tone. I'm looking for how, what, what are they really trying to say to me? Uh, you know, so it, it has to go two ways. You know, you can get excited about snow. That's one thing. Um, or you can have a serious look on your face, about you know what, this, this storm has a chance of intensifying upon landfall. So, you know, the wind could be much, much stronger than what it is right now. So those kind of messages that go out are not going to be found on a phone app. Right, exactly. I okay. mean we're
0: we're human beings. You may
1: be able to watch that message on a phone app from someone, but that message is not going to be on an icon. Right. So the, Ever. the so the human is always always going in there. my opinion.
0: All right I'm going to shift gears and get a little bit sort of fun and provocative here on the Weather Geeks podcast uh, with Jim Cantori from the Weather Channel. You have been granted or appointed director of NOAA, National wow. Weather Service. In that authority what are some of the first things that you would like to see done? And, and this is in no way any criticism or critical of any current NOAA or National no, Service no, active. I love- but what are you, I guess the sense of that question is, you know, we've got things like great satellites with the new GOES-R, the, the GOES East now, high resolution, we've got dual pole, we've got great models. Are there gaps or things that you, from your experience, think we need to do in terms of how we operate as I don't community. think
1: being the director is the issue. It's it's more of how the whole system works. Okay, okay, it's it's a very slow, evolving system to try and, and get change not just in the, the, the federal government.
0: system. Just, oh, you're saying? Well, mostly, yeah, I'm yeah. saying at the federal level. So we need a little bit more flexibility. We need more. In, we need and, more flexibility. We're in rapid response. Um,
1: but we need. I mean, I think we need to embrace creati- creativity? You know? okay. I, I love Greg Carbon. Um, I think the things that he's done, at, you know, before he went to WPC at SPC, yeah, Storm
0: Prediction Center, Greg Carbon. So, I, uh, you know, job. now and
1: now he's at WPC. I mean, the, he's to me, he's like a forward thinker.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, why? Why he's always like, why? Why can't we do seasonal forecasts for severe weather? Right. Maybe we can. Right. I love that. So, so, so embrace that. And, and there's people, you know, that are outside uh, the government. You know, even local meteorologists that have some great ideas in there. So, the I like when the enterprise comes together. I like the the advances that we've made, certainly with emergency managers. They know where to get the message from. They know how to take the message and, and do with it what's best for their county or their jurisdiction
0: right right yeah it's, it's an interesting point point. and by the way i mentioned earlier that jim has been successful i this is a good point to note that jim is a fellow of the american meteorological society uh, a, a very high honor within the field of weather and actually not not too many people from the broadcast field although that needs to change uh have been bestowed with that honor so uh just kind of, a marker. What, to you think day, of that? what did you think i, of I that? couldn't
1: believe it yeah um uh
0: one of the, i I, 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 can I still
1: can't it. believe it to this day yeah I can actually. I
0: can see the look on your faces because I, ask I that. you know I,
1: I don't write papers I don't I mean I just kind of do my thing and yeah. uh, but but it but I'm true to my craft you know yeah. I, I want to get the best forecast out I want to look over the latest guidance I want to hang out with my mentor dr. Greg Forbes so he can teach me radar meteorology and then right. and, and we can present the best thing we can on air and save lives it feels yeah. it feels good to know that when Mother Nature's at its worst, that we can save some lives.
0: Yeah, and so that's really kind of a, a motivating factor for you. Um, if you were to kind of look back on your career, have you had any close calls where you felt oh, life gosh. was really like, I mean, oh Jim, this is it?
1: I mean, we, one time we were out covering uh, severe weather in the Plains, and I mean, I had a lightning strike come down about 30 yards behind me. Wow. I mean, that, that that freaks me out more than anything. I know about storm surge. I know about, um, we, you know, being in a blizzard or being outside too long, not having a place to retreat to. But lightning, you you usually don't get a second chance with that. You know, Katrina was an interesting story because we lost six vehicles in Katrina, and, and we got caught in that storm surge in Gulfport. But I remember as we were <clears throat> traveling around, you know, looking for a, a place, we had a place inland a little bit. But the Armed Forces Retirement folks came out and sought us out. And they looked at me and my producer, Simon, at the time, and they said, you know, hey guys, we're at 27 feet above sea level. And I'm looking at the forecast for surge, and I'm like, 27 feet, really that close? Okay. Why wouldn't I believe them? We're, we're exhausted, we're tired, sure. And, and they've got a bunker of a place, you know. To, to, we got room in for you, we, got, we can feed you. Uh, I'm hanging out with 475 of our heroes. How cool is that? Right. I, I, mean, I have access to the mayor of Gulfport. So we chose that location, but that water came up and it came up higher than 27 higher, feet. Yeah, much higher right. than 27 feet. And I, and I couldn't believe it. You know, they're like, is this the storm surge? I'm like, how can it be? How, if, if it is, we're at 35 feet storm surge. You got to be kidding me. So afterward, I, I checked the factory specs of the building and they're 20 feet. So that's a little different. Wow. So there's all sorts of interesting things i you know i don't want to speculate as to what happened there but either way uh we didn't lose anybody wow and and we lost equipment we lost stuff but we didn't lose anybody. but didn't lose but employees. that was that was an interesting time yeah. because afterward you know we broadcast for almost a week afterward and it was very hard to leave so if there's any post-traumatic stress that's when i had it it yeah. was very hard I, I felt like i was abandoning the very people that I went through this storm with. So that was very hard to come home, even though I was physically exhausted.
0: Yeah, and you you talk about an interesting point that I want to kind of highlight here, which is that um, meteorologists some of these events take a toll on us, too. I mean, I, I remember... Think I remember, of the uh, Oklahoma City guys. Oh, oh, I know.
1: You know, more Oklahoma, There, there's a tornado heading toward a, a weather forecaster's house, and they're having to put out warnings and focus on their job. Their family's back there threatened. Absolutely. I mean, I, that's amazing
0: to I me. I mean, Jim, I mean, I ride a periodic column for Forbes and before Harvey, I wrote a couple of days before the event, I mean, this place could maybe get 50 inches of rainfall. And as I was writing that, I I felt a pit in my stomach because I knew what that would do in that kind of a location. So I just, I think people don't realize this thing takes a toll. We're dealing with lives.
1: You know, I span to deal with what he dealt with in April of 2011. Yeah. Um, you know, I know he took that personally, you know, those are, those are his folks. Right. You know, those are his fo- Those are the lives on his clock. And yeah. I knew th- I know he hates that. Yeah. Um, but that's that's our goal but, but to keep but finding ways for people to get the message and get warnings and build a better message. That, and
0: that's that's exactly that's right. What we got to do okay? and Press and, on. I, I, and I want to transition there to a discussion here, just uh, to talk about that. I want to pick your brain because we're here with Jim Cantori on the Weather Geeks podcast. Uh, what are your thoughts on the whole Euro versus the GFS? Because we use models right. in weather forecasting, and some stations, including I think the Weather Channel and many local stations, will show both. And we know that there's a different degree of sort of accuracy at times with the different models. They both have their moments, actually, Yes, good they do. and bad. And I think. Yeah, that's I mean that's
1: the GFS isn't as bad as you think. That's what
0: I try to okay. convey to people as well. <laughs> um, it's, it's not it's, like it's, we're dealing with some sort of second-class model right. here. Right.
1: We know that the European usually does pretty well in the yes. mid-range. Uh, I thought it was interesting over this winter that the six Z run, I thought did very well uh, of the GFS uh, with, with with certain snow situations, um, even better than the zero Z run, and so I thought I thought that was because everyone says oh well the new data with with the twelve Z and the zero Z uh, you know uh, upper air data comes right. out and is added to the models but um, interestingly now you look at Go sixteen. And the much higher resolution oh, data amazing. that you can add to these models. So they're only get, here's what I'm going to tell everybody: they're only going to get better. Global models, and I think even these high resolution models. Well, yeah, I was
0: going to ask you about how much are you using things like the HRR model, which really are giving us this zero. The rate.
1: HRR, I'm, I'm even at times, and not always. I, I like looking at the NAM 3 kilometer. Oh, I think wow. It does a pretty good job. At there, there's a
0: little news out there for yeah. the weather geeks. Uh, you know, <laughs>
1: so, but the fact that, let's just go to the HER, for example, on a, on a day where we're expecting severe weather, um, you can actually see the individual supercells. Yes. You can see the difference between something that's going to start as individual supercells and eventually line out and become more of a wind threat. Um, Is that going to be west of St. Louis, east of St. Louis? The issue is you can't just look at it. It's not going to be every six hours. This is a model that comes out every hour, and you have to keep up with it because it gets new data, new radar data ingested into it, new model data ingested into it. So it it, it may have a completely different solution. Sometimes the morning runs are really hot. We know that with the HRRR. But I, I think if you stick with it, you can you can fine-tune the forecast. But the lesson for people, I mean, that's just Metspeak. That's you and I talking. The lesson for people is, is they, you know, you need to keep attuned to this because it, it's going to be a breaking weather situation. We'll let you know when it starts. We'll try and time it out for where you're at. It's not one of these things where... You know, if you check with us at 6 a.m. and we're expecting a severe weather at 4 o'clock, don't tune back in at 3. But Jim, Jim, you just you t- have to kind of watch it at noon.
0: You ju- you just touched on something that I, I really want to get. There there was a recent severe weather threat here in the Atlanta area in in March. And we were under a tornado watch. There was a tornado down in South Fulton near the airport. Yeah, oh, yes. Yeah, remember that. And... I mean, I was seeing people in some of my social media saying, oh, man, this is good sleeping weather. I mean, I'm going to go turn in because we've got storms and rain coming through. We were in a very severe situation yeah. that night. How do we, I mean, I still mm. find it a challenge. We're very weather attentive. Yeah. But I still find that some people, maybe it's it's still a challenge to sort of understand, sort of convey the the, the level of a threat. I mean, and to convey uncertainty. I mean, I mean, how do you— Well, first
1: of all, think about the northern transplants. And let's just use Atlanta, for example. Okay. The people that have come up you know, from the north, Ohio, New England, whatever. So for them to think that you can have severe weather in March is almost unthinkable. That's a great point. All right. So now you've got this new influx of people you have to teach that, you know what, we have a severe weather season year round right. here in the South. That's a great point. Uh, and, and with different, you know, La Niña, El Niño, it's even different. So, so those are things we
0: have to, we just continue to teach. What about the, insert, you know, the other thing that we deal with in, in weather is things like the cone, for example, with hurricanes right. or polygons. Those you know,
1: I don't like that it's based on history.
0: So you, the, the, okay. we're talking about the, the hurricane cone that uh, it's uh, uh, a lot of people misinterpret that cone as thinking when they see it that the storm is going right down right. the center. It, it, it means a lot of different things. And what Jim's alluding to is that there's a lot of historical context of that cone. Data in that in that. cone. Yeah. And so you um, say you don't like it.
1: I, I, I don't like that. I, I want it based on, on the just like a, an SBC outlook, yeah. you know. What about probabilities, the probabilities? Probability, use, use
0: probabilities. W- what about the SPC boxes, those sort of categories we see for outlooks? Uh, any, any issues with that? I there's mean, there's been some discussion about the wording what's the of the difference
1: between marginal and slight. I mean, if I were to just say that to someone who really doesn't understand, it's a probability. I base, think
0: even slight might suggest to some people a marginal less, that nothing's going to happen right. at all. But we even we know that that means there's something that still could happen. Right. I,
1: I mean, I, I, look, I commend SPC for trying to add Absolutely. levels because we needed to do we that. Need to. But but are, is that the right word to right. use? Yeah. Um, do we do we need those levels? So we you, just like anything in science, you have to go back and retest and remeasure and then adjust. The problem is, is we can't. Throw something out at people and then completely, completely change it. We can't want to. You either have to kind of back down on it or just tweak it a little bit, um, because we don't want it to become all of a sudden completely understand. You know, not mm-hmm. understandable. This year with the okay, no more lake effect snow warnings for some offices, but we're going to have lake effect snow warnings for some other right. offices. Right. Lake effect is lake effect, so, uh, you know. So, yeah,
0: and, that, yeah, I, and I, we talked about that on a previous Weather Geek Wednesday on AMHQ, which you can find Jim on every morning on the Weather Channel during the week. Uh, we talked about this sort of fact that we're seeing these changing warnings in different places, and I think that's evolving out of some activities, the wet Hazard Simplification Program within the Weather Service, or the FACETS Program. So, people are thinking carefully about these, but um, I mean, look, if you look at it, we have just so many hazards. Yeah. To
1: us in the United States. That's why, you know, if you look at a hazard map from um, the National Weather Service, you're going to see all these different colors because we are susceptible to a lot of hazards. Especially, especially wind, here in the South fire. East. I mean, it's yeah. just everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It looks like a box of good and plenty. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. unbelievable.
0: <laughs> and, you know, it's interesting because you, Weather Channel's is a national outlet. And so, um, are you thinking about when you're talking on AMHQ, are you thinking carefully about who you're talking to? In other words, you know, do you convey messaging differently depending on who you think's watching you at any given time or is it just kind of a generic sort of I message? mean, morning
1: format is just some I mean, I think it has to be generally lighter. And because and, and, people are just tuning in, they're doing other things, they're multitasking in the morning. They're not completely locked into you, I don't think, like people uh, that would watch in the afternoon that are a little bit more casual. But, what, you know, on that same note, I say, well, if, I, if I'm watching CNBC, you know, and, and, and Kramer's on, I want to hear what he has to say. I'm right. completely locked into what he has to say. Exactly. So it, it's just two different, if you have the time— People are locked in. So I have to kind of split it. If it's, a, if it's an important, life-threatening situation, then doggone it, you're going to take the time. Right. If, if you got the time to listen to me, great. If you don't, I understand that, too. But I'm going to give you the time that this deserves. Right. That, that's how I play it.
0: Now, you know, we're, we're getting towards the end of this Weather Geek podcast with Jim Cantori here at the Weather Channel. Um, Jim, where do you see Jim Cantori over the next— Ten years. I mean, what? What's? I mean, I, I mean, I think I know some of the answers. Hopefully, it's, on a boat somewhere <laughs> in the tropics. <laughs> what, what, hey, that's a, yeah. I want to. We want to be conversate. What, what? are just some of the things you like to do in your spare time?
1: Oh my gosh! I
0: mean, what? I, it, what, what? I'm is, kind of a plant How does Jim Cantori I really, chill out?
1: I, I love to garden. I love growing things. You know, my garden. my dad always made me responsible for the garden. Uh, When I was a kid, so, you know, whether we got tomatoes or peppers or corn or squash or cucumber, that was my deal. That's what I had to take care of in the yard. Um, And so I've kind of enjoyed that going forward. Now, Now it's not so much vegetable gardening. It's more, you know, plants, especially, you know, Japanese maples. I love Japanese maples. I collect them. Um, I think they're just beautiful trees in the spring, fall, and, and year, really year-round. But right. uh, I like to go out, like to golf, ski, just got back from a like, ski trip from my roommate in college He was also a meteorologist, mm-hmm. uh, and we, we like to go to go out there one, once a year and enjoy some skiing together. Okay. And, and hang out with my kids. I, lo- I love hanging oh, yeah, out with absolutely. I love being dad. Uh, yeah, same I, here. I really same do. Here. Same here. Love being dad.
0: Yeah, we had a time machine. You could go back in time to any time in history or any place on the planet. Where would you go, or what would? You, oh wow! You ever, I, mean, I, I know that was coming out of left field, but I just—I'm always kind of interested in sort of how, what what fascinates people in time or history. Is there some some time period that you would kind of transform? I mean,
1: okay. So I'm a huge baseball fan, okay. and and we're not too far removed from Jackie Robinson Day. Mm-hmm. I, I would have loved to have seen Jackie Robinson play. Yeah, um, to play the game at the level he played it and the way he played it. Undergoing, you know, constant scrutiny and everything else. I mean, yeah. I I really would have loved to see him play. Yeah, yeah no, that's I, what I would do.
0: Yeah, and I, I, I hear you actually know or have at least talked to Mike Trout in terms of baseball. Trout
1: is a huge weather nut. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's we, what we, I hear, we, we talk to each other. We, I, I will tell you right now without a doubt. If if he wasn't such a phenomenal baseball player, I think he'd be a meteorologist. And well, you know, we and have... I'm going to say that he may be. You know, it, even though I don't, he's got a long career ahead of him still uh afterward i, I think there'll be some type of weather so in, in my tracks for you
0: much of a weather yes geek. yes yeah well, I, I know he, go, we, he
1: goes out in snowstorms sends us video he's a, he's out and he loves being out in it wow his dad took him out when he you know he was a young man showed him how powerful the you know the winds could whip up the ocean and stuff like that so he's he's got that same thing that you and yeah, i, I mean, grew up with as like a young it. man yeah you know
0: yeah. And, I, and I'm a big sports fan as well. We had uh, Owen Daniel on on Weather Geeks, the televised version, who's a Pro Bowl, all pro uh, tight end in the NFL, or was. And so, uh, you know, and we both know the curriculum that meteorologists take in college is, uh, yeah, it's, it's not for, not it's not for the week huh? at and, and, <laughs> and so, yeah, so it's pretty impressive those guys can do that. So, you know, you got a little bit of time left. So, in, in closing, Jim, I mean, what would you tell someone that's listening to the Weather Geek podcast of what, uh, um, Jim Cantori has contributed since we started with this
1: I'm going to end it with this this is what I would tell people who want to go into meteorology um, at the end of the conversation I had with my dad because we didn't really get to the end of it he, he just said look son you have to wake up for the next 50 years of your life every morning to go to work you need to love what you do Yeah. and that's what I've done
0: yeah, that's, that's, that's Jim Cantore on the Weather Geeks podcast I want to thank Jim for joining us uh, he's one Thanks of the best in now. the business thank you for joining us